0: And if you wanna have some fun, go and look up the silver video on my channel and go look at the like 3,000 dislikes compared to the 1,000 likes and then the almost 2,000 comments of all the silver stackers that are absolutely 100% convinced that the world's gonna go to hell in a handbasket in the comments and the things that they call me. It's hilarious, but- Right, so you have have
1: to grow thick skin. So if you're listening to this and you're like, somebody doesn't like me, it's gonna bother me, then maybe don't use that particular channel the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Nolan Matias. Nolan is based out of Calgary, Alberta. And he's the co-founder of Mortgage360. I've known Nolan for many years. I think I met him originally back in 2009 at a a conference and we immediately hit it off. He's a very creative guy, very driven. He's a smart dude. And so I wanted to talk to Nolan about his YouTube channel because Nolan has a YouTube channel with 8,700 subscribers and hundreds of thousands of downloads. And it's a show that's designed for the mortgage consumer. So I'm like, hey, you must be doing something right if you got it that big. And a year ago, his channel had 87 subscribers. just over a year ago and now he's at 8700 subscribers and 80 some thousand downloads a month so on this episode we talk a little bit about a couple of the tips that he has for building a youtube channel hint it's not easy to do second we talk about how he has a b corp so this is a type of corporation that's designed for creating good for others and so it's a pretty cool concept and we just talk about building mortgage business building in general and how he went from having a mortgage office with a bunch of agents that worked for them and they were helping support them to really focusing on serving their clients and making the mortgage office smaller and how they grew by going smaller and how it's made it more profitable and more impactful. So I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. Check it out. And if you get a chance, go check out Nolan's channel on YouTube as well as his other online socials, YouTube, Instagram. And yeah, thanks again for checking out this show. Hey, Nolan, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Fantastic, man. We haven't chatted in a long time. We connected recently and we've known each other forever, it seems like. And <laughs> you're doing this amazing stuff with your mortgage company and your YouTube channel, which we're going to talk about. But first, tell me a little bit of, like, how
0: did you get into the mortgage business? Started in 2003. Actually, it's kind of a funny story. I was taking an economics degree at the University of Calgary. It was just after the dot-com bubble had happened. And I asked one of my professors who's kind of known as being an over-the-top instructor when it comes to his teaching style i asked him what he thought was going to happen in the economy and he looked at me and said you know what's going to happen in the economy he goes look out the fucking window and you know i don't know for anybody who's ever been in a university lecture theater they all have one thing in common they don't have windows so i waited about five or ten minutes i put up my hand and he goes what the f do you want and i said well what fucking window and he immediately looked at me and went get the heck out of the room kicked me out of the class two days later, it was a Tuesday class. I came back on Thursday. He looks at me as soon as he walks in and he goes, you get out, come see me in my office hours. He wasn't even going to let me sit through that second class. And I went and saw him and he said, listen, like you seem to be a bright kid. You seem to have a financial mind. He says, if you want to know what's going to happen to the economy, what you need to do is you need to go out and become part of the economy. And he asked me what I did for work. I told him I sold golf clubs. He said, stop that, quit it right now. You need to go and get a job in finance if that's what you want to do so at the time two ways to get into finance you could go and be a teller at td because they had pretty much a permanent kiosk trying to hire university students to be tellers so that they could work them up through the ranks over time or at the time in alberta you could go to mount royal college you could pick up the mortgage brokers course and you could basically take the book home read it over the course of two or three days and then walk in and challenge the exam three days later so that's what i did So three days later, um, you know, the Monday, I ended up writing the mortgage broker's exam and was all of a sudden at 20 years old, licensed to help people make the biggest financial decision of their life, having never actually had to make that decision myself. So it was kind of crazy. I later helped rewrite the course. It's obviously not that way in Alberta anymore, as most of the people who are listening here will know. But yeah, it was literally just some really great advice from a teacher who swore at me and that I, in turn, swore back at. Right. So when he said, look out the
1: window, was he just meaning like, Was that a metaphor for you're not going to get the answer here
0: or what was he saying it was a metaphor for if you want to know what's going to happen in the economy you need to go and be part of it which means you aren't going to get the answer from here inside the classroom you need to go out and get into the real world and find the answer for yourself so Obviously, that's what I did. Never thought I'd be a mortgage broker for, you know, the next 18 years. I can't believe it's been 18 and years And even now. the fact that you can say you've been doing something for 18 <laughs> years. So all the time, I'm like, I got a
1: kid who's going to be 16 soon. And I'm like, how did yeah. that happen, right? Like, she's like, hey, I'm taking my learners. I'm like, what? Part of me is like, awesome. I don't have to drive you around. Part of me is terrified. Like, are you going to pay attention when you're driving? So, okay. So you got into the mortgage biz. And then so so you have a company called Mortgage
0: 360. You're based mm-hmm. at a Calgary. So tell me about how that company came about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I met you and my wife, Jen, on the exact same day. It was my first day at Mortgage Architects in 2009 when I was you know, invited to be the youngest lead planner to ever be a lead planner there when it actually meant something, when it was $25 million to be a lead planner. And we met Jen that day. Obviously, we became a couple shortly thereafter. About eight months later, we merged our businesses together and we just came up with a name at the time we were trying to do search engine optimization, which we did extremely, extremely well to the point where we had to turn it off because it was too good. And the whole premise of the name and everything was all about search engine optimization. We went on to kind of rejig and become a repeat and referral business only. And then we became the first B Corp certified mortgage company in North America, the second in the world, which B Corp is a certification around transparency, accountability, social and environmental impact, which with respect to accountability and transparency, I think that's obviously something that we wish we had significantly more of in the mortgage industry. So that became pretty important to us. And then from there, uh, we basically, at least in our city, we've become really well known for being a transparent and very trustworthy and education focused mortgage company.
1: Right. So, okay. You said a whole bunch of stuff there that I want to ask a couple things about. So what exactly is a B Corp? So dumb it down, talk to me like I'm 10 so that I understand yeah. the difference between that <laughs> and a regular
0: corporation. So basically, what we have is, is a third-party audit that goes through and looks at whether or not we actually do what we say we do. So we don't go out and advertise that we give 20% of our uh, profits away every year to charities. We just do it. We don't use it as a marketing spiel. We just do it. We have certain practices in place that we have to have to be certified as a B Corp. And basically, what B Corps are is they're companies that are designed to be a force for good. So other companies that you know that are B Corps are Patagonia, Righteous Gelato, Benevity, which is a big charity one, but Ben & Jerry's is another one. All companies that the company is designed around a bigger purpose and that bigger purpose is to make change in the world, not necessarily just to drive profits. Right. And so as a B Corp,
1: is there a certain percent that you commit to giving away or is it just whatever you... Like, how does it
0: work? You don't have to commit to giving any money away. It's part of it, but it isn't something that's necessary. So what happens is you're scored on a score of zero to 200. The average company scores about 50. The average B Corp scores about 85. You need to be at least 80 to get certified as a B Corp company. And then, so our score is like 109, which is exceptional. And basically it's, they look at, how you do social things so whether or not you target you know low income demographics they look at things like how you treat your employees they look at things like your charitable contributions and your environmental contributions and there's this whole scale of things that they look at in order to determine you know whether or not your company meets their criteria and different companies do different parts well ours tends to do that social piece well and the transparency piece well we were ranked as best for the world in 2019. They didn't do best for the world in 2020, but we were ranked by them as one of the best B Corps in the world. And B Corps to begin with are some of the most well-respected companies and run in a way that is not profit-driven. I don't know if you saw in the last couple of years, but the CEO of Blackstone, which is the largest head fund in the world, basically said, if you want us to be a part of your company and provide funding, They said this to major corporations, you need to put social issues and people first. And B Corp just happened to be there before that all happened in the last couple of years.
1: Right. Interesting. Okay. so and then you said something you were an SEO, sort of organic search driven company, and then you moved into referral based now. So where does the split of your guys business
0: come from now? So this year it's going to be a little bit different. Last year it was virtually 100 percent repeat and referral. I think you had Jen on a previous podcast a couple of years ago where she talked about making 60,000 phone calls in a year and it was a legitimate number. She made 60,000 phone calls for a realtor who did a lot of online business. And we had some pretty impactful numbers from that. By the way, if you want to know what 60,000 cold leads looks like from a revenue standpoint, it's about $74,000 in a year. And from a time perspective, It takes about 80 hours a week. So I had to say to Jen a few years ago, you know, do you want to be married to this lead generation realtor or do you want to be married to me? Because that's the choice you're making if you continue doing it. Now, you know, our business is probably four times the size of what it was when we were doing the online stuff. But last year it was 100% repeat referral. And everyone who we did a mortgage for either knew us or knew somebody that we knew. And that was basically how they got through the door.
1: Right. And so you said this year is going to change though. So what's different in, you mean 2021. So is
0: anything changed in your marketing plan strategy? Yeah. I mean, 2021 has changed primarily as I'm sure you want to talk about is we kind of fluked into starting a YouTube channel last year. Actually we started about five years ago, but it became big last year. It got kind of picked up by a few different sources and especially YouTube and is getting pushed out there. So as a result, not something that we planned, but we're having more clients come to us now that aren't repeat and referral. They're finding my YouTube channel, they're finding the information that we're providing. And as a result, they're applying online through our website. So we're trying to help as many of them as we can without destroying our repeat and referral business by getting overwhelmed. Right, interesting. Okay,
1: so let's talk about YouTube. So as far as I know, you have one of the biggest YouTube subscriber bases, at least in the mortgage space, that is Mm -hmm. consumer focused, like that focus of the consumer. So how big is your YouTube channel? And let's talk about that first.
0: Yeah, so Since we're five, year at, five years ago. Where are you at for subscribers? Well, we're at eighty-seven hundred subscribers right now. We're gaining at about four thousand subscribers a month right now. Yeah. So basically, put that in perspective. In the last month, our subscriber count has doubled. Now, to put that into further perspective, on January first of two thousand and twenty, so last January, we were at eighty-seven subscribers. So we've grown pretty substantially over the last year and a half. That channel, obviously, I didn't start the YouTube channel to. Try to become a YouTube celebrity or to try to get mortgage clients out of it. We were just using it as a tool to disseminate information in the same way that you're disseminating information to the mortgage industry via your podcast or how Dustin Woodhouse does it via social media. So that's all it was to us. And now it's kind of become a thing. Right. That's cool. So from 87 subscribers to 8,700 in a
1: year, just over a year. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's listening to this and like, hey, man, I'd love to build a YouTube channel and you had it
0: for a while, were there any inflection points? What did you do that sort of helped kick this off? Yeah, well, I mean, I would tell people right out of the gate, building a YouTube channel, not to 87 subscribers, but to 1000 subscribers, which is where you kind of need to get to before YouTube starts to take you seriously. That to me was harder than doing my first $10 million in mortgages. Like from a time perspective, from a level of education perspective, from a trying to figure out algorithms perspective, just to get to a 1,000 subscribers was way beyond tougher than you know anything I've ever done in the mortgage industry. Now, was there some inflection points? Yeah, there was back in March when basically the deferral landslide happened. We basically woke up one morning and every single client that we had, so we have a client database of, I think, about 3,000 people. Every single one of them, it seemed like, was phoning us that morning. So we had to figure out a way to disseminate information on how to get a mortgage deferral really fast. And it just happened that putting up a video was probably the easiest way to do that. And so we did. And for whatever reason that kind of caught a little bit of fire with YouTube. I noticed it, I really wasn't paying attention to it. YouTube was trying to send me signals that I should be doing more videos. I instead golfed a ton last summer and didn't you're spend like, much time you YouTube. on so how, how
1: does YouTube say you <laughs> think What were the keys that you're seeing?
0: You're saying, Hey, YouTube is like giving you some love. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the analytics, there's things like you'll see a video spike out of nowhere. Like you'll put up a video on today. And then in three months, it'll get a thousand views or something. And it's basically like, they're trying to tell you, Hey, you know, you should make more videos like this. And then over time, you know, you'll see other videos spike and then they'll even send you messages that say, Hey, this video is doing really well. You should think about what you were doing there. And of course, I'm sitting there all summer last year, basically just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And then started to pay attention in October. And in October, I started to realize that, you know, they wanted me to make more mortgage videos. The proof of that was if I tried to make a real estate video that it didn't get any views. But if we talked about something that was happening in the mortgage industry, like rates going down, all of a sudden they pushed that out to you know, pretty much anybody who's looking for a mortgage. So the signals are interesting, right? Because especially when you get to 8,000 subscribers where I'm at now, they basically are telling you on a daily basis without saying, do this. They're basically telling you what to do by basically pushing older videos and the older videos will get a whole bunch of views. And that's basically telling you that this is the topics that you should be doing videos on, right? Right. You're seeing that. Okay. And then
1: you mentioned something to me before we got on the air that you did like a 30 day Tell me about this and how did that help grow your channel?
0: Yeah, so in October, November, I started seeing what YouTube was trying to tell me and I basically went okay for 30 days in December and I assumed it was going to be a slow time. It wasn't in the mortgage industry, but for 30 days, I just decided I was going to do a video every single weekday, which was excruciating because at the time it took me four hours to film and edit a video and then coming up with 25 ideas in a month to basically make videos on was even more excruciating. But at the end of the month after I did that 25 days and it was grueling, like my wife hated me for- uh for you got married to YouTube. Yeah. She was married to the exactly, realtor guy and you're married to YouTube. Exactly. And she hasn't given me the ultimatum yet. I don't know if we're getting there or not, but you know, it was that 25 days where it was almost like I was signaling to YouTube that I was serious about it and they signaled back that, okay, they saw it and obviously the videos started gaining a bunch of traction. And I think if somebody wanted to do it, that's what they would have to do is they'd have to like solidly do 30 days and doing 30 days of anything is hard. Just ask anybody who's tried to do 30 days in the gym or 30 days of keto or something like that, like to do videos, take an hour long gym session and turn it into a four hour session behind a computer screen or turn it into, you know, meal prep for four hours a day. And that's essentially what I had to do to get it to run to get it to take off. Okay, so if somebody's listening to this and like, hey,
1: I'd like to incorporate YouTube more in my mortgage business, what are a couple of things that you'd recommend? Because I can tell you, most people are hearing this going, Nolan, I'm already busy, I, like you've got a team and you guys run your business, so you're able to take four hours to spend on videos, yeah. whereas not everybody can do that. What would be two or three things somebody should do to get a, even some traction with their YouTube channel?
0: Well, and that's the thing, and you hit the nail on the head, but what people need to understand about my business is I've spent the last 18 years building a business where the best thing i can do for my business now is to get out of the way and let my team do things. i try not to even talk to clients anymore because my team does a better job talking to the clients than i do. so i have a little bit more time to work on the business. i have a little bit more time than the average mortgage broker because i'm, you know, i'm not in the deals every single day. i think it's pretty rare to find a mortgage broker who's got a small team of 4 to 5 people who isn't on the tools. i mean it takes typically getting you know, to a pretty significantly bigger operation than that, to not be on the tools, maybe I'm wrong on that. But that's the first thing is like, I have the time and the ability because I have it by design. And I've also spent a lot of time building and creating the ability to have an income while I do this. And if I were to do this without having that income that was coming in every single month, I basically would have made no money for a year. And then, you know, from a communication standpoint and whatnot, you know, if somebody wants to do something like build a YouTube channel or an Instagram channel, I think one thing people don't realize is I've probably got the biggest Instagram following for our mortgage company of any mortgage brokerage in Canada. We've got 6,000 followers on Instagram. Like All of those things take time and the key to them is it's not about you. As soon as you make it about you, you will never grow. It needs to be about trying to help as many people as possible. And if you do that, then you can pretty much grow anything. You can grow a YouTube channel. You can grow an Instagram account. I'd probably start with growing an Instagram account first before I went on YouTube because you can do a 60-second video instead of a 12-minute video. If you're doing YouTube or anything else, it's about helping people. Heck, even if you're doing online leads, it's about helping the online leads get to where they want to go. If you're trying to work with realtors, it's about helping the realtors get where they want to go. If you can focus on helping people... There's no silver bullet. Everyone goes, "Oh, it's repeat referral or I don't deal with realtors or I do deal with realtors or I've done this. All of it is the key thing is deciding that one you want to be successful in it. and two is when you decide you want to be successful in it, you will quickly realize that the way you become successful is purely by helping people. And I mean, I gotta turn that around on you and ask you the same question. Like when you started, I love mortgage brokering, like, was it easier than doing mortgages or was it harder than doing mortgages? It was hard. I almost quit numerous times. And I, I
1: didn't edit my own shows because I just knew that that would So I hired somebody right from the beginning and mm-hmm. paid somebody several times. I went to my wife and I'm like, this is a distraction. Why am I doing it? And she's like, no, no, you started it for a reason. She talked me off a ledge. And I think it was 18 months before it actually turned into... I was like, I got a sponsor and I was like, oh my gosh, like now, you know, not that I was making tons of money, but I, I could see a path for it so but i I agree with you on that so a couple things i heard you say one consistency is obviously important that helped you get your channel go from like sort of you know that 87 to really take off and the second thing is is you really got to tune i always say W I I F M. which is this radio station what's in it for me you've got to tune it to your listener not to you it's not about like hey scott's amazing or nolan's amazing it's like hey what's going to help them and that's the best and whether you're on instagram you know podcasting youtube that's how you have to think about your channel it's not you know, you putting on a dance every day and people wanting to watch it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would use charity uh, giving as an example of this, right? We see mortgage brokers, realtors make the same mistake all the time. They go and they make a donation or they do some helping or do some volunteering and they post it all over their social media and they're talking about it and they're promoting it. And what the consumer sees, what your followers see when you do that is they see somebody who is, more interested in themselves having the fame than in what they actually did versus if you think about it from the perspective of what can I do to help people and you go and you make that donation, but you don't say anything or you go and you do that volunteering and you don't say anything or you send your clients a gift that is customized to them and you don't say anything, but somebody else posts it and says, Oh my God, look what Nolan or Jen did for me or look what Scott did for me. Like that is not only significantly more powerful, but the frame of reference of doing Something to help somebody else is basically what drives the success. It's what drives the success of those strategies. I mean, Gary Morris, love him or hate him, I love him to death. And I'll tell you right now, I didn't always feel that way, but I love him to death now. And the reason why is because when the pandemic hit, he stood out 100% as the leader in the industry. And yeah, he got criticized a oh, He's spending all the ad money on bringing on Lewis Howes and Darren Hardy. I know for a fact he didn't pay Darren Hardy or Lewis Howes to be on his podcast, but that shift that he made was, I'm going to do everything right now to help the entire industry. It didn't matter if you're DLC MCC mortgage architects, Baraco, whatever. He just made that shift to, I'm going to do everything I can to help as many people as possible. And as a result, he helped himself.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, I thought they put on a clinic, honestly, when that happened. I got feedback. I was on a webinar and I was talking about how literally there's a pandemic happening. Everybody else is hunkering down and they're tripling down on reaching out, serving, encouraging. And I had somebody say, hey, like, you know, and I'm like, dude, I'm just stating a fact. They did. And I'm convinced. I know that they've, you know, they're reaping the benefit of that. And I say there's like mind share. So at that time, we weren't sure about market share because market share was like, who knows what's going to happen? But mind share was available. And he captured Mindshare with their activities of being so outwardly focused and putting on all kinds of great things for the mortgage community. So kudos right. and to him. In there.
0: Absolutely, and we switched brokerages, we switched networks because of what he did. And at the exact same time, it was exactly what we were doing with YouTube, was we were trying to create a tool for Canadian consumers to basically help them figure out what their next steps were and what has happened with the DLC group of companies and what has happened with our YouTube channel at a significantly smaller scale is any indication. It's that the strategy here isn't YouTube, Instagram, podcast or anything else. It's literally how can you find a way to help as many people as possible in a meaningful way to them and do it in such a way that they talk about it so you don't have to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Be useful to others.
1: Useful is the new cool is a a line that I heard once. And I'm like, I like that. So that's awesome. Okay. So you got the YouTube channel going. Is there anything else in your business that you're doing or any changes that
0: you've made in the last year that you feel like have really helped you guys? Yeah. I mean, we talked about this on the last call that we had there just leading up to this. And, you know, I hate to say it, but if you are a broker that is working at a mortgage brokerage that provides training and mentorship, you have to realize that you are a strain on that company, not a benefit to that company, and that you should be going to your broker or your mentor right now and thanking them for having you because we in 2014 started building and we grew up to basically 14 people. And what I did is I went back and I looked at our numbers going back to 2014 and with every additional person that we added our revenues, like our personal revenues for Jen and myself and the money that was actually ours actually went down. And then in 2019, 2018, actually, and I went down to a Darren Hardy conference into his business mastery class. And Darren said to me, you know, if you have 12 to 14 people, and they aren't all A players, they're doing more damage than they are good. And we took a hard look at that. And we went back and We basically invited some B and C players to leave because what I realized is B and C players will cause the A players to leave. And we shrunk our team from 14 people down to basically four. We're now up to five. We had to hire another person. And the four people that we have are all A players. And our revenues as a result basically doubled in 2019 and then went up another 40 to 50% in 2020. And I wish I could tell you that that was in direct line with the number of people that we had. We can't, obviously, because the pandemic created a market scenario where we can't measure whether what you okay, are we doing. A, everybody got a lift because of the it, pandemic. But, yeah, yeah, Exactly. But what I can tell you is that unequivocally, having less people and focusing on deals and focusing on clients had a way bigger payoff than we give our all to everybody. And if we have people that are working for us, we give our all to them in the same way that we give our all to our clients. The problem was when we were giving our all to mortgage brokers who didn't necessarily you know, have the same investment in themselves being successful as we had in them being successful, that became something that once we realized that was a lever that we were able to flip and basically make our company significantly bigger and significantly more efficient just by eliminating a few people. So. And ultimately serve more people. Cause you're, you're, yep. you're not only, you're talking about revenue, but that
1: revenue was the result of serving more families. And you're not the first person that have said this to me that has gone down the path of, you know, you're very good at production. You're understand the mortgage process. You're like, Hey, it would be great if we could bring on some people, put them under our wing. And then a few years later realize, Holy crap, like, there's a bigger cost here than just a little bit of time. And I always say, it's like trying to fly two planes. As soon as you leave the one plane, the other one's like beep, 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 and you are like crap, I run back over. I got to go managing people. And then my own mortgage business is dipping and I got to run back over to that. And so it's this jumping between the two planes. My bias is towards what you guys do, which is, and my business partners, a team focused around serving our clients at the highest possible level. It's not about building, you know, a whole bunch of agents and then, you know, God bless people that want to do that. But I think that's a whole other business.
0: Honestly, I think that's why your role exists. Like, look at what you've done. One, with the podcast, like anybody can flip on your podcast and learn everything that they're going to learn and more from any one individual if they had an individual mentor. And two, it's like if somebody needs to know something in the industry, they don't go to Verico head office or DLC head office and ask questions, or they don't go to their broker or their manager. They go to I Love Mortgage Brokering's Facebook page and they find the information there. Like, you have created a way better tool for that than. Any brokerage that I'm aware of, in my opinion, anyways, has ever been able to create. And you know, kudos to you for being that. Well, honestly, it was it's the community that makes it work. Because
1: when I started the group originally, I didn't have a hot clue. So I was like, "Hey, we'll help each other." And I didn't realize how people just embrace that. And you're right, now it's like, we'll get 50 posts a day in that group, right? Like where people are asking questions or helping each other and about on average. So it's pretty great. So anything last that I should have asked you? So I love that you've got the YouTube thing going. I love that you guys are focused. You're dialing on taking care of your customers. I think if anybody's listening to this, you should go check out, you know, subscribe to Nolan's channel, get inspired by what he's doing. And check out their Instagram. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't?
0: No, possibly? I mean, it's your show. It's uh, it's your questions. I'm sure there's other things that we could have talked about. But, you know, the one thing I would tell people and leave them with, if you're, you know, asking for any sort of advice with respect to doing YouTube and doing Instagram stuff and putting information out there and trying to help people is it takes a lot of work. You got to do your best. There's going to be times where you get stuff wrong. I did a video yesterday that's now the number one video on my channel ever. The title's I Screwed Up because... I did a video where I basically, I didn't have the numbers wrong, but I didn't explain what was behind the numbers well enough. And I got called out in the comments on the previous video and, you know, understand that anything you do like this or anything you do to help people, there's always going to be the potential for criticism. The one thing I'd leave people with is that I love mortgage brokering group is amazing, but. There's a lot of Richards on there and you don't need to be a Richard and get being a Richard in life doesn't really get you anywhere. So um, nice you your name is actually Richard and you're still a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I find it's usually the actual Richards that are the nicest guys. We'll see how many people are yeah, not uh, saying, uh, Hey, if come. your name is Richard, we're not saying this is not a show against Richards. Um, <laughs> hey, my mom's a Karen and she's the nicest human being on earth. So. <laughs> right. That's
1: hilarious. That's so true. You know, so a couple things I think in terms of the takeaway one, tune your channel to the other person's needs to, you know, make sure your consistency and it's going to be a lot of work. Like just don't go into this thinking, Oh, I'm going to throw up a video and I'm going to have 10,000. No, uh-uh, uh, that's yeah. not going to happen. You're going to have to put in some no. effort. Actually, there's something else you just mentioned that I thought of too, is you took this negative, which was, Hey, I wasn't clear in this one video. I got some flack because you're putting yourself out there when you throw up a YouTube video, mm-hmm. any smart person or wing nut can say anything about you, but you've that's- taken that and created a positive out of it. So instead of like hunkering down and grabbing a bottle of, what do you drink, like rye or something and being like, I don't want to deal with this today. You actually faced
0: it head on. And then now you said it was your biggest video because you took that negative. Absolutely. And if you want to have some fun, go and look up the silver video on my channel and go look at the like 3000 dislikes compared to the thousand likes. And then the almost 2000 comments of all the silver stackers that are absolutely 100% 100% convinced that the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket in the comments and the things that they call me. It's hilarious. But Right. You know, you so have you to have, have to
1: skin. grow thick skin. So if you're listening to this and you're like, somebody doesn't like me, it's going to bother me, then maybe don't use
0: that particular channel. So this is
1: awesome, brother. Good to chat with oh. you. And we have to get together sometime the next time that we're
0: in the same city. I'm Albert we spend some time in Kelowna. So we'll see you sometime in the summer, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Awesome, man.